this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast this episode recorded on the 20th of january comes on a pivotal day for america Later today, Joe Biden will be sworn in as the 46th President of the United States following an extraordinary few days that have marked a very turbulent end to the Donald Trump presidency. Following Trump's second impeachment, as well as the unprecedented mob attack on U.S. Capitol, today I will be speaking with Swasini Haider, the Hindu's national editor and diplomatic affairs editor, who closely tracks the India-U.S. relationship. on what the Biden presidency may mean for India-US relations, the US role in the world as well as America's relations with China. Aswasni, if I can begin over the last few days, um, though it's been somewhat delayed, we've been seeing Biden's team taking shape, some of them going through confirmation hearings. which has helped shed some light i think on their worldview on us foreign policy how it's going to play out in the next few weeks and months uh today we have seen the hearings of lloyd austin the pick for defense secretary who did have uh, something to say about how they look at india as a partner in the region as well what have you made of what's been coming out of washington over the last few days um thanks so much for having me on anantan of course these are historic times and we we can't take away from the fact that what is happening in the united states for americans uh means as much for the world in terms of the change mr biden is coming into position very clearly aiming to wipe out the last four years in a sense in terms of us policy he says america is back we are not withdrawing from the world he says america is coming back into multilateral structures america is rebuilding its ties with its alliance uh, partners uh, that that the americans will uh, that the us will walk back the things that mr trump canceled whether it's on iran whether it's on um, uh, the climate change agreement uh, and a, a host of other measures now here in india we are watching all of those very closely because each of those right. uh, decisions also changes things for us you know for the, for india the idea mm-hmm. of multilateralism has been uh, at the core uh, but at the base of it where i think india uh, is is looking to see what each of these uh, nominees are talking about because in a sense mm. uh, you know a lot of the names are familiar a lot of the names are from team uh, team obama uh, mr biden right. himself is very familiar to india not just as vice president but before that as uh, um, uh, the head of the foreign uh, affairs committee as well he's made many trips to india uh, i think what they're looking at very closely is what uh, what the next administration really does when it comes to india's challenges so china mm. and pakistan and you heard mr uh, austin talking about how the us wants to go back to perhaps a more cozy relationship with pakistan um how mm. they will deal with china where although mr biden and mr blinken and mr austin have said china remains uh, the us's biggest threat and uh, they are going yeah. to have to work with allies to contain it that they do feel uh, a that there are areas they can work with china on this is very different from the trump right. administration and uh, they aren't walking back on the trade uh, phase 1 deal with china either uh, thirdly mm. and this will be of great importance to india it's not just how it treats india's challenge but how it treats one of india's tradition 
additional partners, and that's Russia. Uh, and that, mm. I think, is going to be a friction point in this government uh, with uh, between Biden and India. Let's be clear. I think the overarching trend for a Biden administration will be to build on uh, the closeness of ties with India that Mr. Trump's administration did. I don't think they're mm. going to walk that back. Um, but I do think that on all, on all of these issues, uh, we are going to see, uh, you know, the geopolitical structure is going to force a certain change in the kind of uh, way they deal with each other. Um, if I may, Anant, you know, uh, mm. uh, it's for mnemonics purposes, I have the five Fs that I was thinking about because when we spoke <laughs> to Mr. Jayashankar, for example, and asked him what he thought of the new US administration, how difficult it would be to deal with them, given how close mm. uh, Mr. Modi and Mr. Trump was, he said, I see familiarity. I see these people uh, that I know. Um, but I mm. think India is going to look more closely at four Fs apart from the familiarity. Uh, one hmm. is because familiarity brings with it a very sharp focus. People know exactly uh, what you're about. Um, one is how America deals with India's foes. The second, what is the form hmm. and structure of the engagement? Because it's no longer just a personality based Trump Modi uh, rally type of uh, uh, relationship. Even things like uh, the two plus two, for example, the Indo-US two hmm. plus two was a defense external affairs ministry, uh, ministerial uh, meeting. But prior to that, in the Obama administration, the two plus two meant commerce and, um, right. and, yeah. and foreign policy. So what form it takes? Uh, and the third is going to be the financial or the economic uh, relationship between the two. I think over there, we're going to see a lot more comfort because both Catherine Tai, the trade representative, and Janet Yellen um, are actually uh, uh, a very, very um, uh, attuned to the relationship with India. In fact, we understand from, mm. uh, from officials that both of them, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, as well as um, uh, Catherine Tai, the trade representative, are already in touch on these issues with the Indian side. Um, so I think we're going to mm. see familiarity, but I think we need to focus much more on the other Fs, as I said as well. Right. I think it is interesting. You did mention for India how the US deals with China and Russia is going to be something we will look at. I thought it was quite interesting uh, at the confirmation hearing for uh, the next uh, Secretary of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin, he didn't really seem to question uh, the Trump administration's broad description of both China and Russia as uh, main uh, rivals or competitors, though it was interesting that he did say that in his view that China would uh, in some ways be the main challenge for the next administration. So uh, I think that it's it's been interesting for me to see that uh, one of the criticisms of Biden by the Trump camp is that he's been soft on China. They've called him Beijing Biden. But from what I've been reading in the Chinese press, it seems that no one is under any illusion. They don't expect uh, a big change in how the U.S. deals with China on the on the security side. They see a bipartisan consensus on broad issues dealing with China, uh, though they do expect, I think, uh, on climate change, uh, maybe Iran, North Korea to find uh, some common ground. So they think it's going to be smoother to deal with Biden. But at the same time, uh, the broad themes of U.S.-China competition aren't really going to change. Uh, and also, uh, what did you make of his comments on the Quad? He seems to be quite bullish on the Quad. Uh, is it fair to say that the Quad isn't something uh, that really took to life only because of the Trump administration and what it wanted to do? And would you expect the momentum we've seen over the last three, four years on the Quad front uh, to continue from, from the comments that we've heard over the last few weeks from, from Team Biden? 
Well, I, I think it's going to depend. Remember, uh, we're watching the DC uh, beltway circuit, if you like, as, as closely, and we're seeing how upset they got uh, when the Biden team did not use the term Indo-Pacific, uh, because that right. was the big shift from the, uh, uh, from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, where Obama, even his, his joint vision statement with India for the region was on the Asia-Pacific. Uh, Trump uh, really adopted the Indo-Pacific, even if there were many fathers uh, to the term. It was the Trump administration that brought it front and center and then made it uh, almost, you know, uh, look like the the counter China uh, coalition or counter China thought was essentially uh, to use the term Indo-Pacific that now goes from Africa uh, to the Californian mm. coast. I think very quickly, um, and uh, this will depend on three things, and they're all wild cards at present. Uh, the first is how the U.S. tackles the Indo-Pacific region. One of the things that people aren't talking so much about is the fact that Mr. Mm. Biden has again and again written and spoken about the need for traditional alliances to be strengthened. Traditional alliances mm. in this region are essentially uh, Japan, uh, Australia, South Korea. When Mr. Biden spoke to uh, leaders around the world, his uh, he, 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 he really made the alliance partners a priority, in which case, uh, when he spoke about Indo-Pacific, he actually spoke to the leaders of those three countries. India came maybe a few days later. Um, mm. When he spoke to the South Korean president, he said, I want South Korea to be front and center in, uh, in the linchpin. In, in fact, he said of our Indo-Pacific policy. What does this mean really for India? Does this mean that the Quad is going to expand? Um, is mm. this, uh, does it mean that these alliance partners are actually what Mr. Biden depends on, uh, as opposed to a country like India that says very clearly, I'm not part of an alliance, nor will I be a part of an alliance? Um, they will definitely strengthen the defense uh, partnership between the two countries. But will alliance, being part of an alliance, take precedence for that? So the first wild card is that. Uh, the second is the quad it, itself is made up of these three alliance partners and one India. So what is that form mm. and structure of it going to change, especially given that now two members of the Quad are also part of the biggest uh, free trade agreement, which includes China, uh, the RCEP. Right. If the RCEP takes a more cohesive form, you know, we're still looking at early days, really, and economy and trade are going to be the most important issues in the co post-COVID recovery world. Uh, it mm. remains to be seen just how the Quad can stick together uh, when they are on, on these issues, when they're being taken apart on, on other issues. Remember, the external affairs minister actually said that we must look at the Indo-Pacific, we must look at the Quad more as economic strengths uh, than strategic mm. uh, designs. Uh, so, uh, so that's the second. And the third is a question I want to ask you, really, is how is China going to take the massive pushback they have received in the last year. It is clear to anyone that whether it has been on uh, the coronavirus itself, whether it has been mm. on China's hegemony or hegemonic actions in the South China Sea, uh, Taiwan, as well as, of course, at the line of actual control with India, um, or whether it has been uh, the pushback that China has faced on the Belt and Road and the post-COVID recovery, mm. you know, people talking much more about debt trapping. Um, I think what will matter is really how China deals with it. Where recently we saw that China-EU deal where it seemed almost as if China was willing to give more concessions than it has been before. Is that a sense you get of how China, uh, we don't, for example, in the last few weeks, haven't heard as much about the wolf warrior mode that China was on for most of last year. Do you, do you, do you perceive that China is waiting and watching and, and biding its time till Biden really takes over? 
I think so, uh, but they do seem to be at least in a, in a some position of strength. If you look at what uh, the Chinese leadership has been saying, what the media has been saying now compared to just six seven months ago at the height of the pandemic, I think the economy has recovered uh, faster than many people expected. Uh, they ended twenty uh, twenty uh, growing two point three percent, which makes them the only major economy to to grow. Uh, and there's been a lot of uh, bullish talk from China in terms of how they have squashed all talk of uh, countries, i.e. the U.S., trying to uh, move supply chains away from China. Uh, and they believe that uh, they have handled the past year uh, in a way that defied what they thought uh, Washington wanted. Uh, and make no mistake, they, they're happy to see the end of the Trump administration and uh, specifically Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, who has been in China's crosshairs uh, this weekend, uh, China's official news agency, Xinhua, which rarely issues op-eds or commentaries, just published this commentary with the headline, Good Riddance, uh, and which gives you a sense of, of how they're looking at the end of the Trump administration. Uh, at the same time, I think they will be worried about one thing that you mentioned, which is uh, the focus we've been seeing from uh, from the Biden camp and Mr. Biden himself on fixing alliances. Uh, I think the Chinese are aware that Trump could perhaps have been much more effective in many of his goals uh, that he pursued with China if he had brought in people along. Uh, he spent so much time bickering with the EU. And at the end of his term, you saw this EU-China deal that you mentioned. Of course, maybe there were concessions, but the fact that they went ahead with this deal just shows uh, shows you how the US-EU alliance and relationship has frayed at the end of four years of Trump. So I think they will be extremely worried about the prospect of an America that pursues similar goals as Donald Trump, but but does it more smartly, does it by bringing more people on board. I think that's something they're very aware of uh, and concerned about as well. Uh, so I see one final note, uh, if I can get you uh, I know you're going to be busy covering the rest of the day, uh, the lead up to the inauguration. One thing that's been getting a lot of attention in the press in India is the inclusion of a number of uh, South Asians in, in Team Biden. Uh, is that a good thing in terms of familiarity? Many of them have been working with India for many years. Or is there a sense that we may be perhaps just a little bit exaggerating what this means? At the end of the day, they are going to be representing U.S. interests as they should. What's your sense of how we've been covering this particular facet of Team Biden? Well, I certainly think it is uh, noteworthy that Team Biden is not only diverse, but it has looked uh, so closely at picks from um, uh, from this region and particularly from India. I think of the 25 or so uh, um, uh, nominees so far who are from South Asia, I, I would think more than 20 are actually uh, of Indian American origin, uh, if you like. Um, but I do agree with you. I think uh, after the initial sort of euphoria to see, you know, our diaspora doing really well, uh, there is now an understanding in India and in the government that this can be a double-edged sword uh, because not only are Indian Americans more well-versed with India, maybe there is a familiarity, uh, but they have higher mm. expectations of India as a, demo, a democratic, pluralistic, um, inclusive uh, country. And uh, and therefore, we do actually see people, um, uh, you know, officials or, or um, congressmen like uh, Ro Khanna or uh, Kamala Harris mm. or Pramila Jaipal raising human rights issues in India, perhaps even more than, than 
others do. Uh, so it is this kind of double-edged sword in a sense. Uh, so I, I do think there is that realization. Now, remember when Kamala Harris was uh, nominated by Mr. Biden, uh, the, the mm-hmm. Ministry of External Affairs actually refused to issue any statement um, because they said this is an internal process of the U.S. So that uh, understanding is very much there. I think we haven't yet uh, really looked at or uh, we, we haven't really discussed uh, the impact of these kind of political um, preconceived, if you like, uh, uh, Mm. attitudes within the Biden administration on the relationship with India. And eventually that's all that counts. Um, Are we going to see the uh, kind of um, discomfort the Democrats have had over the last year over issues in India from Jammu Kashmir, Citizenship Amendment Act, the Delhi riots. They've commented on mm. each of these. Um, uh, that are we going to see that kind of discomfort actually translate into uh, into anything when it comes to bilateral relations between the two? I think this has been a kind of relationship between India and the U.S. It's, it's become a part of the relationship between India and the U.S. I think what we are going to see is more maybe... Honest conversations. Mr. Trump gave what uh, Mr. Ashley Tellis has called a, a value holiday uh, to the world. Um, and mm. Mr. Biden has uh, time and again spoken of, of his commitment to values. So those are those are definitely back on the spoken agenda, even if it's not part of what eventually happens. Mr. Biden, very importantly, wants to hold a democracy summit in the next year. Uh, and he is looking closely, not just at Uh, democracies around the world uh, versus autocracies, but he's talking about democracies in transition, those that are moving towards more authoritarian uh, uh, manner, um, which includes, Mm. you know, clampdowns on various groups, minorities, NGOs, journalists. uh, And there are a number of uh, countries that he's already closely focusing on. Um, These are not things that I think in India we should worry about immensely hmm. but we should take it into uh, to understand how the next year will play out because remember the next year mr biden has a plate that's full as i said he has to reverse so much of what mr trump has done and then he has to deal with the coronavirus um uh, continuing health crisis he has to deal with the economic crisis that is we've already seen job numbers uh, in some trouble over there and then he's got to rebuild the alliances, uh, not just in this region, but also with Europe, with NATO, which he feels have been badly damaged in the last few years. Uh, it's a it's a very full plate. Uh, India, as a country that is traditionally uh, not a problem area for the US, sometimes mm. gets a little less attention as a result of that. So it really remains to be seen. One thing people forget, by the way, is that in the Trump years, despite that focus on India, despite all the close conversations, we didn't actually, uh, the Trump administration didn't actually uh, appoint someone for uh, South and Central Asia. Uh, we only had acting right, yeah. uh, assistant secretaries for South mm. and Central Asia through the entire Trump term. Uh, and I think uh, the start of Mr. Biden's uh, nominees and all are beginning to show us that there are going to be focused, you know, there's going to be a lot more distribution of uh, authority and there will be that kind of focus on rebuilding the foreign service rebuilding the idea that the us is engaged in all these regions uh, not just at the top down level but uh, uh, lower down as well so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch we know the 
uh, American amb ambassador to India, Kenny Juster, who is a political appointee, has already uh, made his farewell calls and is leaving. We mm. also understand there are many changes in the embassy. The DCM, for example, Edgar Kagan is, Ed Kagan is actually going into the NSC now. Uh, so we're going to see changes at every step uh, uh, when it comes to the India-US relationship and getting settled and then getting to the business of the bilateral may take a few more months than people realize. Right. I think one thing safe to say is probably going to be, as you said, more institutional, more predictable. I think less uh, shocks for all of us covering it, whether it's a tweet about Harley Davidson's or whether it's a tweet about wanting to mediate between India and Pakistan or India and China, less of that. Uh, there is so much to talk about. And as, as you rightly said, the focus uh, for the first 100 days for Biden is certainly going to be at home uh, and perhaps other big challenges, uh, whether it's climate change, and India is, as you said, something that's probably going to surface later. We will, of course, be keeping a close track on Biden's first 100 days, how things transpire on the India-US front. Uh, stick with us and we will keep you updated. And of course, let's hope today's inauguration uh, later this evening goes off peacefully, something you previously would have taken for granted uh, in Washington, but such are the times we live in. Thank you so much, Suhasini, for joining me today. Thank you, and it's always a pleasure. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.